0: Hello, this is Shelley Stevens-Stidham coming to you from Dallas, Texas, and you're listening to Race, Violence, and Medicine.
1: Thank you for joining us today. Welcome to Race, Violence, and Medicine. I'm Dr. Brian H. Williams, and today we are going to talk about injury prevention at least and maybe some other things as well. I have a world-renowned expert with me, Miss Shelley Stidham-Stevens. Did I get that Or Steven Stidham's?
0: It's actually Steven Stidham, but that's all right. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I can't believe I messed that
1: one up. I apologize. So, you Shelly know, we Stephen got all three Stidham. of
0: them in there, so it doesn't matter the order. Uh, I'm just pleased that all three names got in there. All right, well,
1: <laughs> all right. Well, thank you for taking time to talk with me today. Our listeners, well, I think are certainly going to enjoy what you have to tell them. So let's well start let's a little bit of background on you, Shelly, Just Tell us who you are, how you got to where you are right now.
0: Uh, well, I got uh, to where I am kind of in a roundabout way. I um, My undergraduate degree is in journalism and public relations. Um, and so my very first job after graduating from undergrad uh, was at the State Health Department in Oklahoma in their public information office. And after about uh, seven years of writing press releases and things like that, um, I decided I wanted to do something different, and about that time, uh, someone that I had gotten to know, um, Sue Maloney, was becoming the director of the Injury Prevention uh, Injury Epidemiology Division at the Oklahoma State Department of Health. Um, Dr. Greg Hestry, who was the state epidemiologist at the time in Oklahoma, had written a grant that uh, one of the and got one of the first ever CDC Injury Prevention grants, um, and so. One of those grants, I think there were 15 that were awarded and I think uh, 14 of them went to academic centers to establish injury control research centers. One went to a state health department and it went to Oklahoma. So um, my friend Sue was just taking on this new role and um, through conversations we got to talking and, and I was interested in... Uh, doing something, uh, staying in the health field, um, but doing something a little bit different. And injury prevention, um, I didn't really know what it was at the time, but it sounded interesting. And um, so she asked me if I'd help her write a grant, and uh, I needed grant experience. Uh, so we wrote two grants and were funded for both of them, and she hired me um, as the first prevention coordinator for that office, and that kind of launched my career into uh, injury and violence prevention. So for your listeners, when we talk about injury and, and violence prevention, we're thinking about uh, all injuries, and that includes violence, that it includes uh, all un- unintentional injuries, things that you would think about like the motor, motor vehicle crashes, older adults falling, drownings burns, things like that, but it also includes intentional injuries, and these are uh, mostly the, the injuries that we, we call violence. It's child abuse, it's domestic violence, it's homicide, it's suicide, anything that with an intent to harm someone else. Um, so that's what injury and violence prevention is, and our our goal is to try and prevent these um, uh, these injuries from ever occurring, so we're trying to prevent the car crash from ever occurring. We're trying to prevent, we're trying to go really pretty far upstream and look at the root causes of what causes this, what causes violence, um, and, and try and uh, do some real primary prevention so that we don't get to a point where somebody thinks about right. getting hurt or
1: So there's there's a lot there to unpack there, Shelley. I don't know where we're going to go from here. But first (laughs) of all, I'm just fascinated that you began as a journalist or journalism major, Uh and then now you're doing this. And I, I, I just learned these new things about these people that, I, that I've known for a while, which just is always as amazing. So you talked about you had one of the very first grants, you think, mm-hmm. from the CDC. Mm-hmm. So with injury prevention, is that a relatively new it's, specialty? It
0: is. Uh, it, well, there have been people who have been doing injury prevention, you know, back way earlier in the uh, in the and ni- the twentieth century, actually. Uh, CDC gave out their first uh, injury grants, and I'm gonna get this wrong, but I think it was um, probably 1985, 1986. Uh, the injury center at CDC was established in 1992 or 1993 so in comparison to um, infectious diseases and chronic diseases and things like that it is a relatively new field although it's it's been around now for about 40 years
1: <laughs> right so you talked about injury or injury and violence and uh, I may think that most people, when they think of injuries, they're thinking of unintentional injuries, like the, the car accidents, uh, the workplace injuries, and they're not considering these other things that are intentional, such as intimate partner violence or or child abuse. How does how do you work all that into your, your, your day-to-day job?
0: Well, and that's a very good question. Um, typically, because people who do injury prevention versus violence prevention are, are they have Different specialties. Um, so, and, and you're you're correct. The the unintention We call it unintentional injuries. Other people call it accidents. We quit trying to call it call them accidents many many years ago when the field was really first getting started, because the word accident implies that there's nothing that could have been done. It's an act of God or somebody you know a much higher being, uh, and we wanted people to start thinking about them in terms of these can be prevented just like infectious diseases and chronic diseases. And, and things like that. We
1: now did that, a similar thing in trauma. We went from calling them motor vehicle accidents mm-hmm. to motor vehicle collisions for that or very reason. crashes. Same Abso- it's
0: a, absolutely. It's an
1: interesting connection there.
0: So, uh, in, in terms of Uh, the people who are doing unintentional injury prevention are are a a lot of those folks are doing um, child passenger safety or you know trying to get people to wear their seat belts trying to get their kids to buckle up and and, uh, be buckled up in in child restraints or uh, they're they're doing drowning prevention and and things like that whereas people who are doing um, violence prevention are are more apt to be service providers. They have been providing a service. So somebody is already a domestic violence uh, has has experienced domestic violence or, or child abuse, and so they're they're trying to provide services to help them so that they then don't become perpetrators right. uh and so that's uh to get very technical we talk about primary prevention and that's the way upstream stuff we talk about secondary prevention and that's you know you, you've identified somebody who's 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 suffered from this and what can we do to to keep it from getting worse as and then tertiary prevention which you're very familiar with in terms of you know what you've done in the in the uh, uh trauma center is is how do we fix the people who have been hurt and injured and things like that? So I want
1: to actually go into that in more detail, this primary, secondary, and tertiary injuries slash violence. Mm-hmm. If I'm using these terms incorrectly, please. You got it right so far. <laughs> please correct me. I want to break that down uh, uh, in more detail. We'll do that. We'll take a break first and come back and do that. So thanks for tuning in. You're listening to Race, Violence, and Medicine. We are here with... Injury and violence prevention expert, Shelly Stevens-Thidham. Please tell me I got that right. You got
0: it, right. Okay.
1: <laughs> Shelly Stevens-Thidham. And uh, we'll, we'll be back in a moment. We're going to talk more about primary, secondary, and tertiary injury and violence prevention. And please, if you can't stay for the rest of the show, you can always follow up with the podcast, Race, Violence, and Medicine. It is available anywhere you get your podcast so subscribe tell your friends and families to subscribe we'll be back in just a moment okay welcome back to race violence and medicine we are here today with public injury oh, public health injury prevention expert shelley stephen stidham so shelley before. I'm
0: going to give you a, a card so that you remember the correct order of the names. Okay,
1: you you, you can't see, but Shelly just called me out because I keep mixing up her her hyphenated name and getting them back where she put a card in front of my face. I wouldn't mess it up anymore. So I got it. I, I got it. Uh, I'm, I'm not mad at you, Shelly. I'm not at all. <laughs> Before the before the break, we kind of talked about you. You began in journalism, you're working in a public information office. So I want to hear more about that before we delve into this uh, your role now in injury and violence prevention.
0: So you mean the transition from public information and, and journalism into public health and, and things like well, that? Let's talk like about
1: that. what you were doing when you were in that space. Sure. Like how, long did you, how long were you doing that?
0: I did. Uh, I did public information uh, for seven years. Okay. Um, I, I'll, I'll, I'll go way back and tell a story. Um, I always wanted to do journalism. Um, wanted to be a photographer. Grew up in small town, rural Oklahoma, southeastern Oklahoma. Um, and um went to oklahoma state university my um, my freshman and sophomore years and um I pledged a sorority, and um, not long after I had pledged, we were doing, Oklahoma State University does a big homecoming, um, and so there's fraternities and sororities uh, uh, build these big house decorations, lots of floats and, and things like that. I mean, Oklahoma State, I have to say, even though I didn't graduate from there, really does homecoming well, but um the year that uh, i had pledged the um we were doing uh building a house uh house decoration
1: what sorority did you plan? i was
0: a, i was a theta kappa alpha, alpha theta and uh, we were doing a homecoming with uh, alpha gamma rho fraternity and uh, we were building this pretty elaborate uh, house decoration had a lot of talent uh designers and in, in both the uh, sorority and the fraternity and near the end, uh, as 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 we're getting close to building, the finishing the the house decoration, um, uh, I, and I've, I've lost track. I think it was uh, a, one of the senior fraternity members and two freshman uh, fraternity members got too close to a um, um, electrical pole or, or whatever, and. Uh, That three people, uh, those three young men, um, were electrocuted and died. Wow! And uh, so it was was, was pretty tragic. Um, And uh, of course, this it gets a lot of attention. News media is flocking to Stillwater, Oklahoma. And I remember um, there was, this is probably my my first introduction to, you know, trying to chase the story and and things like that. And I remember the news vans um, driving up and down the street, and we were, a bunch of us were sitting out, outside uh, it was still a pretty fall day and and we were sitting outside at, at the sorority house and and there were um, news vans that were driving back and forth and they drive by us slowly and slowly open their doors and film and there were some uh, some of the uh, my sorority sisters were were sobbing and you know it was obviously it's tragic and very emotional it's and kind
1: of Macabre and invasive as well. It, it,
0: it felt that way, and so my jur- my major was photojournalism, and I changed it to public relations at the time because I I felt like I couldn't be that aggressive in in chasing a story uh, and everything. So um, graduated from college and got a got a job offer f- uh, at the state health department in Oklahoma in their public information office. So I did that uh, for seven years. Um, but I, um, and I, I enjoyed it, but I, I was ready to branch out and, and do some other things. And because I'd been at the health department for seven years, that's how I got uh, to know, you know, what some of the other departments did. And that's how I got to know Sue Maloney, who was starting the uh, injury epidemiology division at the state health department. That's, like I said, that's how it led into um, my career in injury prevention.
1: So when you went into injury prevention from public, were you doing public information work for Injury Prevention Center or did No, you-
0: I was doing um, public information work for the entire um, uh, state health department. Okay. So I was writing press releases on uh, HIV or, um, ob- well we weren't really addressing obesity at the time, but um, um, you know, chronic diseases, diabetes and right. heart disease and, and things like that. So I spent a lot of time writing Um, writing press releases, doing um, developing educational materials and and things like that.
1: Okay, so you're at your core, you're a writer, is that what you call yourself?
0: I I think um, I like to write, um, but I just I got away from that as I, I got away from that, and I, I think um, what I was telling you uh, on on one of our breaks is uh, when I was in college, uh, I did some work um, at the uh, local newspaper in my hometown, doing sports reporting and and. Uh, and, and I was their their chief photographer. Um, On TV
1: or? No, radio? newspaper. Newspaper, newspaper.
0: Okay. newspaper. so uh, my husband was at the time uh, was a basket he's retired now but he was a basketball coach and my dad had been a basketball coach I'm not I'm not the least bit athletic um, and so but I, I just I loved high school basketball because I grew up watching it and then I met my husband, fell in love with him, and, you know, <laughs> that, that continued.
1: <laughs> okay, so when you made the transition from your, so you you were a journalist. You had mm-hmm. a, a journalism career. That was,
0: that was what I intended to do.
1: And then you s- transitioned to injury prevention. Did you need, require extra additional training for that?
0: It, it, it really didn't, and it was, at that time, there were no uh, real formal injury prevention training programs. Um, now that now there are um, the thing that I did uh, very early on in my career in injury prevention is uh, uh, Johns Hopkins University has a they were one of the um, uh, universities that got the injury control research funding back when the Oklahoma State Department of Health got. The funding to uh, to start their program, but one of the things that Johns Hopkins had was a pretty intensive uh, summer uh, institute on injury and violence prevention. So um, I did that. A lot of the lot of the other training was you know going to conferences and and, and things like that. And then when I decided to go back to school and get my um, master's, I actually decided to get it in public in uh, public. Uh, administration as opposed to public health.
1: Okay. So I know before the break we said we're going to talk about this um, primary, secondary, tertiary injury and violence prevention, but before we get to that, we'll do that after the next break, okay? How about we do that then? But if someone's listening and wants to get into injury and violence prevention work, um, you know, do they go to nursing school? Do they need to? Um, how do they get into this
0: uh, field? a lot of people at this point still get into it because they get introduced to it in some way. Um, if you are a nurse at a and you're working in a trauma center, uh, if, if you have American College of Surgeons verifications, particularly for uh, level one, you have to have an injury prevention program, and often that is some a nurse that's on staff that that it transitions from the bedside to so uh, so there are a lot of nurses doing uh, injury prevention but most people but You don't people, have to be a nurse. You, you don't have to be. And most people who actually doctor. get into injury prevention probably are are working in some type they're working on a masters in public health and that's how they get introduced to it. So
1: public health. Um, okay. That's right.
0: all right. But uh, we're we're anxious to get um, new people because there are people like me who are going to age out <laughs> and ultimately retire at some point. And, um, and and so we're, we're very interested in trying to bring people into the injury and violence prevention field.
1: Well, speaking about your experience and expertise, you have a national reputation in this field, and you do, you do a lot of speaking. So uh, I would say, if you want to learn more about this, you can contact Shelly and have her come out and speak to your organization, group, Injury and Violence Prevention. Uh, that's where we're going in healthcare, at least in the trauma field, but also in healthcare in general. It's like how do we keep people healthy and safe in their communities instead of having to treat them in the hospitals? So we're going to take a, another break and get back to discuss what we initially talked, so we're going to talk about which was primary, secondary, and tertiary injury prevention. This is Race, Violence, and Medicine. We are here with Shelley Steven Stidham. S- Shelley Steven Stidham. You're, you're gonna hate me, aren't you? <laughs>
0: no, <laughs> it's absolutely fine. <laughs>
1: I, I am Dr. Brian H. Williams. Please stick with us. We'll be back after this short break. Welcome back to Race, Violence, and Medicine. We get to spend time today with Shelley Stephen Stidum, injury and violence prevention expert. And before the break, she was telling us about the differences between the difference between. Mm-hmm primary, secondary, and tertiary injury and violence. And we wanted to unpack that a little bit in more detail now. So, Shelley, for our listeners who may have never even thought about the difference between, all oh, this is just one, violence and injury is just one big thing. Tell us what that means and then why it's important to understand the difference.
0: Well, I, I think that, and in, in, for any of the listeners, uh, any of your listeners who have a public health background, they're going to be, f- be familiar with a scenario where, um, uh, it's, it's kind of an, an old parable that talks about somebody who was walking along a river bank and uh, they noticed somebody, a, a child had fallen in or somebody had fallen in, and so the person on the riverbank goes out, uh, goes into the river, rescues the child, and, and, and pulls them back up on the bank. And uh, they go on a little farther, and the, the, it keeps happening and and the The person that's on the bank keeps running out and trying to rescue the people who uh who have fallen into the river, and more people are joining in and 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 more people start to go and help try and bring these people out of the river and then uh the original person all of a sudden decides that. You know, something else is going on here. And so he or she walks, starts walking upstream and everybody starts yelling, saying, hey, we need your help. Come back and help us. And uh, the person said, uh, I'm not, not helping. I'm going upstream to find out why these people are falling in the river in the first place. And so when we describe primary prevention, we're, we're talking about moving way upstream. So, if, if we're talking about a, a car crash, we're looking at how safe is the vehicle? Are there things that vehicle manufacturers can do to build safety into their vehicle? Are there uh, design techniques that the, uh, our, our highway engineers can do to build safety into the road so that um, it, the, the, it lessens the chance that the car crash is ever going to happen in the first place? So, that's primary prevention um I use it with with motor vehicle crashes because we we probably flush this out uh, a little more, and there are proven evidence informed and evidence based strategies that we know prevent uh motor vehicle crashes so that 's way upstream stuff um let's say that upstream stuff for whatever reason has failed, and the person gets in a car crash anyway. So, the other thing that we start looking at is is, is things like, um, are they wearing their seatbelt? Um, we, we didn't prevent the car crash, but can we prevent or lessen the extent of their injuries? And then finally, tertiary prevention is, well, we, we've, um, the car crash happened, the person is injured, now they're being taken to a trauma center. What is it that we can do, you know, uh, what is in place such as? uh how close is the is the closest uh trauma center what uh paramedics and e m s services do we have and and things like that so that's that's in a nutshell describing what primary uh, secondary and tertiary uh prevention is for motor vehicle crashes
1: let me sure let me make sure i i have yeah. this so i like that analogy of the, the 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 stream and the the people falling in i that just makes it very easy to visualize. And comparing that to motor vehicle collisions, I think most people can relate to that. So make sure I got this correct. For motor vehicle collisions, primary prevention would be to ensure that the cars are built safely and have all the safety devices such as seat belts or child seats for children, airbags, um, Design of the vehicle, exactly. Secondary prevention would be, okay, in the collision, how can we minimize their injury? Uh, would that be? So, that's, the those safety devices would be the things that minimize their injury? That, uh,
0: the safety devices that are, uh, did they put their seat belt so on? Did on. they put their uh, child in the child restraint? Um, so, it's
1: about educating them to do the right things. Right. And then, tertiary would be okay. They're in the collision. They're injured. Now we have to take care of those limb and life-threatening injuries.
0: Exactly, and and in terms of violence, so let's take uh, let's take um, child abuse. Um, The the the. Upstream stuff and and this isn't as flushed out as as some of the other uh, injury and violence prevention areas, but uh, with child abuse let's say that uh, what we're trying to do is we're trying to um, we're trying to prepare parents so that that they don't abuse their children um, and there are some uh, very upstream things that that we know that need to take place so Um, We know that there are risk factors. Um, Has the family, uh, either of the family members, um, been exposed to violence in the past? Um, But what are the things that are causing the violence? And I'm sure it's some of the same things that you've you've talked about, uh, Dr. Williams. It is, um, you know, what are the ramifications of poverty and the economy and, um, uh, you know, environment and, and things like that that contribute to somebody being violent um, but if if we get to you know we're trying to keep people from being violent, but then if if uh, secondary prevention for that would be all right, so they 've experienced violence, um, a child has experienced child abuse, so we get that child into counseling so that they don't perpetrate and become. A, a domestic violence abuser or a victim or, or something like that. So if we so. said,
1: like, break the cycle with that. Break be the
0: cycle break? is is absolutely, and that's where we. A lot of the service providers um, on the in the violence prevention area, whether they're child abuse prevention um, service providers or uh, domestic violence providers, they are used to seeing people who have already uh, experienced some type of violence, um, and that's where secondary. So the, the secondary prevention is let's help them as much as possible so that they don't continue that cycle Um, but we also you know we need to be looking at what in our society are causing people to be violent
1: Um, so let's talk about another type of violence intimate partner violence Um, my I would guess that if you are a victim of intimate partner violence that you would not go out and perpetrate that like Say a victim of child abuse is that correct?
0: That's uh, that's not necessarily correct. It is uh, people who have been exposed to violence in any form. What we know is they are more likely um, to become because that's that's their world. That's what they know, Um, and so it's it's their normal. Whereas it may not be normal to you or me. It's their normal. It's what they've grown up with. Um, So. Females who have seen been uh, who have have seen violence in their household or seen their um, uh, their their you know uh, whoever's perpetrating violence against their mother they're more likely to date people um, who are like that because that's that's their normal so um, so you know it's it's trying to you know our challenge is to try and um, educate people um, about what is, what are good, safe, and healthy relationships and what that looks like right. um, so that that's part of um, ending that or breaking that cycle uh, of abuse. Same thing goes for um, males who, who witness their, um, uh, their fathers uh, or a, a male person uh, perpetrating violence against their mother. Um, While they want to protect their mother, that doesn't ensure that they will not become um, domestic violence perpetrators on down the road.
1: Right. Well, I was just sitting here thinking about this, that if you're listening, it's quite possible that you have experienced this and this discussion may be triggering to you. So if you need resources or want to be directed towards something, please just go ahead. Um, you can go to my website and send me a message or on Twitter at BHWilliamsMD, and I will do what I can to try to get you the re- some resources, but there are many resources online that if you just Google intimate partner violence or child abuse um, that you can get some help. So I, I, didn't, I don't want to leave you uh, without some means of getting help right now if that is if that is needed, but I want to thank Shelly, Steven, Stidham for spending time with us talking about this important issue of injury and violence prevention. I really enjoyed understanding the difference between primary, secondary, and tertiary prevention. And if our listener wanted to contact you, Shelly, where where should I direct them?
0: Uh, They can contact me through the uh, Injury Prevention Center of Greater Dallas. We are housed at uh, Parkland Hospital. Uh, in Dallas, Texas, and our website is www.injurypreventioncenter.org. So Injury Prevention Center is, uh, is all one word, no spaces, no commas, no periods, or anything like that. That's probably uh, the best way to reach us, Uh, or they can reach uh, uh, me through uh, Parkland Health and Hospital System uh, here in Dallas, Texas, and that's simply just uh, Google Parkland Hospital and type in my name.
1: Thank you very much for tuning in today. This has been Race, Violence, and Medicine. I am Dr. Brian H. Williams. You can follow the show. Just go to brianwilliamsmd.com, that's Brian with an I, and I mean, the easiest thing to do for free to do is just sign up for the newsletter, and I will come to you once or twice a month to keep you up to date. You can also subscribe to the podcast anywhere you get your podcasts. Please let your friends and family know my main platform is Anchor FM, but you can get you can listen to me anywhere. I appreciate you. Any comments, please let me have them because I want to make sure that this show is not a waste of your time. Once again. It's been Race, Violence, and Medicine. Thank you for tuning in.
0: I've got to find it. (laughs)